sorry, but I miss the normal you. Before this, this obsession, when we had conversations, remember? You my charger. This, this whole ranking thing, just comparing yourself to people who... Have you seen my charger? We pretend to be happy. Hi, fours, like Naomi. I bet they're suicidal on the inside. My car is here again. Your Pelican Cove deposit isn't refundable? Like, what if this doesn't work? Can't you just stay out of my shit? You're my sister! Yes! And if you cared about that, maybe you would have noticed living with you hasn't been one big rainbow sandwich for me. Do you know why I never brought any guys back here? Because I didn't want them to know I was sharing a skanky ass cave with Mr. Three Point. Good luck with your performance! Everybody, welcome to episode 16 of Life and Life Only. And today I'm delighted to have with me Harry of Harry's Moving Media. You've changed the name a couple of times. Is that the current name? I have. Yeah, M- Moving Media is going to stick for uh, as long as it survives. So, yeah, originally Harry's Moving Castle. And then I okay. realized at some point I'm probably going to get a lawsuit from the Japanese because <laughs> it's based on uh, the Studio Ghibli film, for those that don't know. And then I changed it to Harry's Haunted House for an October. It was mostly in just for a Halloween one-month thing, but I loved it so much that I just thought, right, sod it, I'm keeping it for a year. And then I changed it again to something that's uh, a midway between Moving Castle and something that probably won't upset as many people. But because I am making media, ultimately, I thought, yeah, that's, that's going to be the, the home for it. Yeah, well, actually, this podcast, Life and Life Only, is a quote from a Bob Dylan. It's a Bob oh, Dylan really? Movie. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been contacted yet. But uh, so Anyway, welcome to the show. And uh, could you just introduce yourself and your YouTube channel, please? Yeah, sure. So since 2014, I've been reviewing and analyzing TV shows and movies, predominantly Doctor Who, because that was the show that I kind of had the most beef with at that time, because I come from a kind of background of film studies. I kind of intertwined that into content that I make because most of that kind of field is writing. And I thought I could write something and then just record myself saying it and put all the pictures and things on top of mm. it to illustrate my points. Ironically enough, they do actually accept video essays as submissions in universities now, which I think is flipping fantastic oh, if you nice. want to put in the effort for it. But honestly, if, if you can get away with just writing an essay to it that way, because it'll take you so long to write to make these things. Anyway, uh, back yep. onto the point. So yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who was what I started with. And then as that got a few thousand views, I thought, right, I'm going to try a stab at my other favorite TV show, Black Mirror. And I came on at just the right point because that was when it moved to Netflix. And uh, I had plenty of episodes to comb through to the point of uh, those Black Mirror videos being the reason mainly why I'm able to do YouTube as a full time gig. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for another episode to come out so that I can uh, <laughs> make a bit more dosh. But, you know, I don't want to assume that they are the reason for my success. But hey, yeah. that's me and or my uh, channel in a nutshell. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. All right. Just a couple of questions actually about Black Mirror. Well, obviously, the, the creator was Charlie Brooker. Are you mm. familiar with Screenwipe? Have you seen the, some of that? Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've probably in all likelihood, I've seen every single one of them because I'm a huge fan of him mm. in general. 
personally my favorite one was him coming back to do the uh, COVID-19 one because yeah, uh, I saw that last at, year. Yeah. at the time it was just so relevant interesting hilarious etc and I think there was a kind of will he do another one will he won't he kind of thing and then he did do it and it was amazing but yeah I, I'm I, I really do like screen wipe yeah I mean I'm a great believer in that making fun of things Obviously not in an offensive way, but we, you know, we need humor. That's why we need comedians, I'd argue, in society. You know? mm. For anyone who hasn't seen Screen Wipe, it's obviously a, a comedic look at media. And there's some, there's some great clips on um, YouTube. There's one actually on, uh, you, you remember the story of Jade Goody you know, from Big Brother. Mm. I mean, obviously in the end, it's a tragic story, but I mean, it's just the most crass, the whole way it was handled and everything. And uh, I'm going to get onto another one, which is to do with the McCanns. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll get onto that a bit later, I think. But uh, mm. so Black Mirror, yeah. So uh, would Nosedive be among your favorite episodes? And if if not, what, what would be your favorite episodes? Well, I actually made a top, what was it, 17 list back in 2018, I think. And right. Nosedive did indeed take the crown at the time. It was close tied with White Christmas. I can't remember the exact reason why I yeah. preferred one over the other. This was a fair few years ago that I made mm. that, but after re-watching it again in preparation for this uh, podcast, it still is my favourite one of the whole bunch. So yeah. aesthetically pleasing, so well-written, and just a thoroughly satisfying adventure from start to finish. Yeah, and I remembered it as longer as well, because there's so really? much packed into it. And I, in fact, mm. I had to give up making notes this morning. I mean, I'll, There's just so much packed into it. Yeah, mm. it's funny. Again, we didn't prepare this, listeners, honestly, but White Christmas is actually the one I was going to mention. Because I'm a big fan of Mad Men as well. So the oh yeah, the John Hamm connection mm -hmm. there. Broadly speaking, do you prefer the early sort of lower budget ones or the later sort of high budget ones? I think they both have their pros and cons, really. Because in a weird way, if you're trying to get into Black Mirror, the national anthem is kind of a bit of a weird one to start it off with. Because although if you're a fan of Charlie Brooker, you're going to get it from the offset because its reputation now is of a technology-based kind of show predominantly, mm. you're going to be like, wait, what? What? I was expecting, you know, all the AI discussions and things. So, mm. but it's, it's only when you get to that second one, 15 Million Merits, that I think that it really sticks. It, I really do like the earlier series, probably because they apply the less is more concept. I don't think there's yeah. a single show that I know where they only have three episodes, but it's for a season or a series, whatever you want to call it. And then obviously when Netflix comes along, throws so much money at it and says, we bloody love this. Let's get absolutely loads of episodes yeah. in here once a year. You know, I'm sure there must have been some kind of creative burnout by the end, though, because I found the fifth season to be quite underwhelming and um, disappointing. Yeah. So it's, it's really a matter of where you're coming at it from. But I do kind of appreciate it on the whole. I can't really say I prefer one or the other, but I definitely can say with certainty that the fifth season was an absolute dud. Right. I can't remember exactly when I stopped watching because I, I came quite late to the party, so to speak. Obviously, I, then I binge watched a lot. So the national anthem was the, the pig one, obviously. That was the That's very right. first one. I like the one where the guy, it's a dinner party and the guy thinks that his girlfriend is cheating on him and it turns out she is and it's like an extension of facebook where uh what is it you can access like someone's life a video of somebody's life mm. events something like that so yeah broadly speaking i mean i'd say black mirror some of them are almost like films aren't they i mean that white christmas one is is pretty much film length absolutely uh you and i looking for the video we're obviously different ages which is an interesting thing so we get get like a sort of cross-generational appreciation of yeah yeah nosedive but um 
I'm a big film buff as well. I've got film podcasts called Film Gold, plug, plug. In the last 10 years, I've because of the availability of older films, I've kind of, in the last 10 years, I've sort of lost track of modern stuff and I've kind of gone back. And I, I am a big fan of, you know, the, the black and white era and the, the old stuff. So I think the less is more thing with a budget. I think there's nothing wrong with a big budget, but it depends how you're using it. And if the film Absolutely. starts to become about having a big budget, then it loses me. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Black Mirror fan. I, I, like I say, I can't remember the, the latest episode I watched. Uh, if I had a criticism, I found that there's quite a sort of sadistic edge. Like in um, White Christmas, if you remember, the, they set the guy so he has to experience 10,000 years every second or something. Mm. And it's like the glee that they, oh, you know, he's going to have a good time. And then, and then I found that there was a sort of recurring theme where they'd end like someone would be in a sort of endless spiral of hell. I can't think of the specifics. So that put me off a bit. But yeah, I think I think it's a great achievement anyway. Yeah, definitely. So much to talk about. So let's get let's get into it. So um mm. so this episode is obviously nosedive. Just talk briefly about the the lead actress, Bryce Dallas Howard, who's Ron mm. Howard's daughter. I didn't realize this, but she's actually Elton John's mum in Rocket Man. Did you know that? I haven't seen Rocket Man. I, uh, this is okay. one of those films that everyone has been badgering me to death to right, watch. And right. it's, uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately one of those people that has only seen Bohemian Rhapsody and thought, mm. oh, yeah, I'm sure that will be just as entertaining. Uh, you know, I, truly, I'm not like a, a, an Elton John mm. fanatic either. So mm. it's it's one of those things that will kind of, it'll be on the bucket list. I'm sure I'll watch it eventually. But I, I didn't know that she was in that in that film either um she yeah. seems to have sort of sprung up in a lot of uh unconventional places for example she's directed I don't, i'm not sure if you're a star wars fan but um the mandalorian <laughs> uh tv show that they made based on that she's directed a couple of episodes of that and i, I didn't even know she was like director material but apparently she is so uh, and a star wars fan apparently but uh yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's it's very surprising where she's kind of cropped up all, all over hollywood really yeah, you know, I guess Ron Howard's daughter. She's got the connections. Eh? Absolutely, yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not sure how much nepotism plays into it, but you know, she's. I still think she is a very uh, talented actress. All the same. I mean, I probably have seen her, but I don't remember her. But I remember her from Rocket Man. I wouldn't say Rocket Man's a, a must see, but uh, it's pretty good. You know, I'm not mm. the biggest Elton John fan of the world, but you can't argue with some of the tunes, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm not going to say no other actress could have played this because I'm sure a lot of them could, but I just thought she's just perfect. I mean, the, yeah. the scene where she's giggling in the mirror and she's practicing the smile, it's just, oh, brilliant. Mm. You know, and then she can do yeah. anger fairly well as well, you know? Yeah, they did a great job as well on like her outfits as well. I mean, just to, if we're going from outfits to the general aesthetic of the whole thing being like a very, I don't know what the opposite of sharp colors is, but it's almost like Neapolitan ice cream. That's the best mm. way I can kind of describe it. But yeah, her everything that she owns from the props to the her dresses are all that very kind of peach pink color it really does reflect her pitch perfect in every way yeah. only to have everything kind of thrown down because of, of a almost a, a real desire to just be the best as mm. the rating system implies for everybody to have at uh, some point mm. in the story but what i love about her character actually is that you can kind of tell from the beginning that her heart's not really in it you know because mm. she's trying so hard whereas Naomi, who we'll get to um, a bit later, she's obviously faking it. She's obviously trying too hard, but it just seems like it it fits her somehow. But I don't know if it's the writing, I don't know if it's the actress's face, but it's something about it that you know that behind all, all the trying hard, yeah, there's a genuine character. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the opposite of sharp would be maybe washed out. You know, they used mm. like wash, washed out My colors. My partner said that very word, and I couldn't remember it when we were watching it together. So that would be it. Yeah, they kind of use that in films, I suppose, to, to show a sort of gloom or, or some kind of negative thing. But mm. I think it's pastel perfection. I don't know if you used that. Did you use that in your video or someone else used it? But I, I don't that, know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have watched it again. I, I've got this weird sort of Jim Jarmusch attitude towards my <laughs> videos because he's one of these people that once he's finished with a video, he wants nothing to do with it afterwards. He'll just leave it in the hands of his marketing yeah. people. And I just let the YouTube algorithm do the rest because if I look back on it, I, I, I think I actually tried watching my nosedive review back again. And I thought, oh my God, the audio quality. Uh, what am I talking about? This, that, and the other. And I just couldn't. I couldn't watch it again. It was just kind of, that was released like four years ago. It's a totally right. transformed individual to who I am now. But, you know, at the same time, it's just, it is truly a pleasure to even talk about that kind of thing because I don't think I've ever been invited to talk on a podcast about Black Mirror. It's always Doctor Who. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that either way. You know, I, I no, just, you're, welcome. Yeah. you're welcome. But it's it's something that, you know, I, I thought would have been almost dead and buried really because like, say there's no new episodes of black mirror on the horizon i think especially because of the gloomy reality that we find ourselves in at the moment anyway it's Mm. it would seem almost too much to put in Mm. there but um then again if you look at any of the oscar nominations at the moment they are going to be all very depressing as well just reflective of Mm. the times i suppose i think with black mirror and obviously with this episode that reality is creeping up so it becomes almost more relevant you know what i mean oh yeah yeah all right, we're going to go more or less scene by scene, perhaps not laboring it all too much. But uh, so, yeah, we see her jogging. I was actually watching a video where they said that she had she'd had an eating disorder, but I didn't actually pick that up. But any, anyway, we see her jogging and obviously her friend Naomi seems to be just constantly in like yoga poses. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like how New Yorkers see Los Angeles. Yes, definitely. Know? I'm a big Woody Allen fan. Same. There's a film where I think it's Annie Hall. He goes to Los Angeles at like Christmas and the weather's good. And he says, oh, oh does Santa get sunburned or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> like he's, so, he's so disgusted by the fact that, you know, you shouldn't have like a sun in the winter. He's like, you know, you don't get mm. the seasons and everything. On your video, you describe the world as Facebook meets TripAdvisor. And I was thinking it's Instagram meets Uber. So in a roundabout way, we're kind of saying the same. Well, that's the thing. I, if the if memory serves, Instagram was kind of in its infancy at the time, but right. almost in, a, in very typical Brooker fashion, he's able to pick up on the trends and is able to have this level of insane foresight at what's going to come. But at the same time, Instagram is owned by Facebook. And watching this episode again, just every clip they had of the user interface of of trip book, as I called it, it really is like just swap the five star rating for that little heart button that just flashes red every time you scroll down, flash, scroll down, flash. Fortunately, I mean, I I don't know if it's fortunate or not, to be honest, I'm not one to judge. I mean, I don't really use Instagram. I've uh, I probably, if I were to use it for anything, it would be to promote my channel, but I haven't Mm. ever made use of it in in that kind of way. But definitely Instagram and Uber would be probably the, yeah, the 2021 comparison. I think probably now the Facebook is sort of the thing that is less used by younger people. And Absolutely. Um, yeah, like you say, Uber, same thing, a young people thing, because whenever, well, I mean, whenever I go and see my family, I'm 
I went back to a couple of uh, months ago after the lockdown lifted and I just because I'm based in London and mm. um, just the weirdest scenario of oh you guys don't have uber here do you and I was like it's it's not it sounds really stupid to say out loud because it's like you know you just realize how much you've got in the city but I like that comparison a modernized comparison from of Instagram and uh, uber definitely mm. okay so in your video you talked about the attention economy Mm. Um, and this idea that we're all celebrities or we're all potentially celebrities now and mm. obviously Big Brother and all, all that reality TV. Um, just going back to Scream White for a second, the clip I find just sort of darkly hilarious. You know, obviously, about Madeleine McCann. If anyone anyone yeah, listening yeah. from overseas, there was a, y- a young girl who was snatched in Portugal and it's certainly not something to laugh at. But the thing that I found amusing was uh, on screen, Mike, there's a clip of Sky News basically had a reporter outside the McCann's, the, the parents' house, all day, essentially treating them like celebrities. And, and there's one bit where they cut to them. They cut to the reporter saying, uh, yes, the McCann's haven't left their house yet. You know, <laughs> so these, these, basically, these don't mean this the bad way, but nobodies, you know, non-celebrities mm. have become celebrities because their daughter was snatched. Yeah. And now we're reporting on the fact that they haven't done, they haven't left their house, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Ricky Gervais in Extras did something kind of in the same ground. If you remember when he goes into the Big Brother house and there's a woman whose only claim to fame is that her son was shot in the street. But the comedic part comes from the fact that she's then, she's soon to be releasing a single. So she's, <laughs> yeah, right, she's got okay. a pop career out of it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the best yeah. comedy for me is like an extension of reality. You take reality and then you extend it a little bit. And then, well, I suppose yeah. if we can't laugh at the darkest aspects of our nature, then mm. what's the point? I firmly believe that comedy is derived from tragedy anyway. Uh, that, that's my drama background coming in there. But, uh, you know, I, if you can't laugh at the worst parts of uh, reality, then we don't have humor at all. That's what I believe anyway. Absolutely. Yep. So let's go back to nosedive. So we, everyone's got these contact lenses. So basically, essentially, you immediately when you see someone, you can see their social rating. As I mentioned earlier, we see Lacey practicing different types of laugh in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then we get the uh, the cafe scene. What can you remember about that? The cookie and the coffee. Do you remember? I tell you what, when you mentioned the cookie bit, and you also mentioned about a video that was talking about an eating disorder, I think that's probably where they made that connection. It's certainly not something that kind of runs through the story in a meaningful or notable way, but it's just the fact that she kind of spits out the biscuit and uh, she doesn't like the coffee, whatever she's ordered. It, it looks too fancy to be enjoyed anyway, to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's very interesting either way because... We were wondering, actually, and I I don't think they ever actually establish how often you can make a rating, because obviously it's just based on each social interaction. But what if you're having like a what if me and you having this long form discussion, are we going to keep rating each other every 15 minutes or so kind of thing? I I, I kind of wish that that's the only thing that I was thinking if they'd have established that that would have made a, a lot of other moments in the story make a lot more sense. That was the only thing that kind of distracted me from the every other beautiful aspect of that. But that little thought that popped into my head and unfortunately sort of lingered throughout the, the rest of the episode. I was like, are they gonna are they gonna establish it? No, no, they don't. But that's fine. You know, it's 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 such a tiny thing. And this is just me in a nutshell, just finding the tiniest little nitpick. Oh, don't worry, I do that as well. About. That's fine. Yeah. But um 
I was just thinking as well, because we, we were talking about when she's practicing her faces in the mirror, for whatever reason, that reminded me of, so I, I've got a, a younger sister who's 13 years old, absolutely loves TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it just reminded me of how she will just incessantly practice this tiny little 10 second dance thing. And it really struck a chord in that moment. I was thinking, that's exactly what my sister does. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so surreal. Again, one of those things where Brooker is able to kind of just foresee these bizarre changes in human nature as a result of technology. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed as well, the cookie obviously had a smiley face as well. Mm. which is quite amusing. Uh, Yeah, to answer your question, I'm not sure. Suppose, in theory, you could arbitrarily, if you were having a bad day, just go around. And as we see later, I was going to get onto this later, when she's hitchhiking, Mm. she gets marked down for absolutely nothing, except the fact she's got a low rating. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll get to that later when we get to the the scene with the truck driver, which I thought Mm. was amazing. Yeah, brilliant. So there's there's just so much in this. And then, um, you know, we know now that, you know, you get a dopamine hit when you get some likes and... I think you mentioned this in your video. I think when you watch Nosedive, you have to be a bit honest with yourself and say, are none of us guilty of doing any of this ourselves? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I can say hand on heart, I've never posted a picture of my dinner on Facebook. <laughs> but I do remember, I can't remember if it was like an ex-girlfriend or a member of the family. I'd made a really good meal and I sent a photo to them. So I didn't send it to the world. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I think, you know, we shouldn't get a, too sort of... Um, high and mighty about this and say that you of know, course none of us ever do this you know no no and the weirdest thing was when i was watching this two years on from the release of that video was when i started being able to do this full-time uh the youtube thing i mean and mm. whenever i look at it's strange how a lot of the kind of yeah the dopaminergic stuff that is embedded in social media's design it doesn't matter what website you're using youtube facebook they all play the same game and youtube especially i would know more so than the others because whenever i look at all of my uploads they have a countless amount of statistics the the main one that always draws my attention though is the kind of i get a little percentage of the thumbs up and thumbs down so if the video gets a hundred likes and two dislikes, that's 98%. So, and sort of incrementally upwards. So obviously I consider a successful video to be something in the range of 98, 99%. Mm. And as soon as it deviates from that, I immediately start worrying, oh my God, I'm going to fall through the cracks kind of thing. It's really, but at the same time, you know, as I was watching again, going to the a bit ahead with the no, truck okay. scene, that character who just stopped caring about it entirely, there is a lesson to be learned from that in that despite the fact that I could upload a video that loads of people don't like, it doesn't matter. It's just a video, you know, mm. it, it really, you know, it. and there is this sort of a real worry about personal image and almost your own personal image brand, if you like, because what you are putting out to all these people is so, it has to be your best self because otherwise no one's interested. And that's exactly yeah. how, how, like I say, every single social media platform is playing this exact same game. And that's why we have Nosedive, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I have three podcasts and obviously iTunes, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, has to be part of, it's an important platform. 
and I, I mean, I'm, I'm earning a little bit of pocket money from it, but it's essentially it's a time consuming hobby, but it is a labor of love at the same time. But there, there's a weird thing on iTunes and I've never quite worked this out. Essentially, you kind of have to ask your audience to give you a ratings. And obviously you're going to ask for a five-star rating and reviews, I think help because I have a podcast about John Lennon. And as far as I know, I'm the only specialist John Lennon podcast, certainly on iTunes, but I'm still not at the top of the list, which is kind of annoying because other podcasts who've done one episode on John Lennon, because they've got bigger audiences, they're higher up the list. Yeah. But occasionally I do look at ratings and reviews and how's this for like delicious irony? Someone will podcast that I listened to a Beatles one got a one-star rating because they asked for a five-star rating. <laughs> this is the rationale. The review said, uh, oh, you know, why are you asking for five-star ratings? You know, if I want to give you a lower rating, that's my right. It was, a, it was along those lines. Uh, right. But unfortunately, you know, we, we have to play this game. You, you have to get those high ratings. As far as yeah. I know, I think the whole sort of analytics, it, it kind of goes a bit above my head, but I have some understanding. Mm. Anyway, so let's get to the next bit. I'm not sure of the total chronology, but there's a scene in the office, and then we get this character, Chester, who's uh, mm. broken up with his boyfriend. And I think the, the pertinent bit was, I think one of the colleagues says, well, you know, we are siding with the other guy, you know, we are yeah. siding with his boyfriend. Mm. So, you know, you've got all this group mentality. And I mean, I haven't worked in, I'm an English teacher, by the way, I haven't worked okay. in a, in an office for years, but I, I remember that thing of, if you're the outsider, you're essentially trapped in this sort of glass cage. But I think it's very freeing to be an individual, isn't it? You know, when, when you've got the confidence to go against the grain, it doesn't make your life easier, though, I'll be honest. What do you reckon? Oh, truly. I think in a weird way, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, going against the grain is exactly what I did when I started talking about Doctor Who, because I was thinking nobody else seems to see a problem with this show in its current state. So I had to kind of make it extremely clear that I had a problem with it. And obviously how you formulate such an argument takes a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of reviewing in the meantime. But in relation to this Chester character, the thing that I kind of found interesting about it was in the same fashion as the uh, thumbs up, thumbs down thing with YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's not like he has a one rating. He's not like obviously uh, later on when he's trying to get back into work, that's the kind of uh, the the result of everyone siding with his ex. But you have the division that comes from controversy, which we have even now seen more of than any other time ever before something horrendous will happen. I mean, I guess the most current issue I could probably say is Israel. I don't want to go into that because I've no idea. I can't talk about Israel, but right. looking at it from the outside, all mm. I can see is two different sides arguing at each other and the result is people's unhappiness and this is exactly what happens with chester and it's it's the mechanisms behind the technology that are causing this unhappiness and mm. you know even though everyone tries to like always uh lacy especially it just tries to ignore it like because that's mm. it's easier to do that than to actually pick a side Absolutely. whether you're picking a side is a good thing or not don't know but Either way, yeah, I think it's those mechanisms that are causing people like him to be ostracized and thrown out of society, just mm -hmm. as the truck driver we see later on. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big psychology guy. I studied it at, at college. And um, obviously, humans are social animals. You know, we, we are absolutely hardwired to go into groups. But um, are you familiar with this phrase, sheeple? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I know a lot of people hate it and it sounds so patronizing and so offensive. Yeah, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm just going to introduce the word sheeple <laughs> into the conversation and then uh, sit on the yeah. fence. Now, it's this thing about, you know, we are social animals, but I think we do kind of cop out a little bit and you do have an easier life if you if you go with the herd, so to speak. Yes, precisely. Yeah. One of my friends did a personality test thing online. I don't know whereabouts, what website it was specifically for me. And mm. I came out as like having a kind of, uh, I don't know how psychologically sound this is, but mm. it's basically surmised that I was like a, a lone wolf personality type. Yeah. So that probably feeds into my desire to speak about an, an opposing opinion, even if everyone else disagrees and also why I'm doing this job where even though I have a considerable audience, I don't meet any of these people. I don't talk to any of these people. They are just numbers on my screen. It is a really weird thing to kind of conceptualize. I wonder if you have the same whenever you see someone's clicked on your uh, podcast or if you have any insight on that. I mean, do you exchange messages with them though? It sounds kind of elitist, but the main people that I interact with are the people on my Patreon page who genuinely want to support the channel and keep me doing what I'm doing, basically. But I would love to do some live streaming just to sit, I don't know, play some games, talk to people, whatever, because Mm. that is something that I think is sorely lacking at the moment. There is just such a disconnect between myself and the just your casual viewer who's not paying anything to watch it. And I think that that's something that's kind of been lost in the financing of this channel in, in that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having to direct my focus more at the money side of it than the actual people who made the channel as mm-hmm. popular as it is to begin with. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, if you make a decision to use Patreon and to do it, try and do it for a living, you're giving a service and people are paying you for a service. It's, yeah. it's only because we live in this bizarre free culture, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. where you're just obligated to, to give everything for free. And you just, yeah. I don't get many donations and it, it irritates me slightly because mm. I've put out, I mean, the, the John Lennon podcast is my main one. This one we're on now, Life and Life Only, will probably become my main one because mm. After a hundred hours on one person, even if it's a very interesting person like John Lennon, you know, uh, you know, in the end, I'm surely going to run out of material. But anyway, you know, I put out hundred odd hours. I edit very carefully, so it's sort of probably about five hundred hours of editing. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, you it, know, it, you, honestly, editing just it it eats away at my free time as well. Yeah, yeah, it is the thing. But then when I listen back to it, is right, is quite satisfying. You get you yeah. get this nice. Uh, as you'll as you'll hear in a week or so, hopefully. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. The next part. Ah, this is the apartment. This is really interesting because um, mm. so Lacey wants to get this apartment. She's living with her brother. We'll get to that in a sec. And she needs a four point five rating. Now, are you an Alan Partridge fan? Do you know, I am an Alan Partridge fan <laughs> in the sense that I have really enjoyed what I've seen, but. To my memory, I can't think of a single Alan Partridge, exclusively Alan Partridge thing, like off the top of my head. The thing that I remember of him the most is in the day to day when he's the, I think he's the weatherman or the sports guy or something like that. I am a fan of him, Steve Coogan as a, a an individual for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll explain why I brought brother up because the, the estate agent, have you seen any of this time? The, the one that's just come out or no, or, I haven't. No. Uh, okay. Okay. But for anyone who has, I was absolutely blown away. Like uh, the woman, the estate agent is actually an English actress who's in the latest Alan Partridge, uh, Susanna oh, okay. Fielding, her name is. So it's bizarre. Cause you've got um, Bryce Dallas Howard 
playing an Englishwoman in Rocket Band, and then you've got an English actress playing an American. Oh, yeah. In this, Interesting. You know? But she does it very convincingly because I, the first time I watched this, I never clocked that she wasn't American. So kudos for that. So we get this kind of, um, how did they get that fantasy image? So you see Lacey with this really attractive guy. How did it, they do it, that in the story? It, in the story, it's kind of like an advertising hologram. It's probably nothing too consequential to get your head around but i know that on the outside after she's had the viewing there's like a big poster of her in exactly the same fixed sort of romantic ideal image but as soon as she turns her back away from it it fades away and that they fill it in for the next person so presumably what they're doing is they're just they'll cater that kind of image to whatever individual they are and if it's another say single woman they will have another very attractive beefy guy to kind of almost sex appeal up the place which to something like estate agency uh, or or just housing in general to sexualize Mm. that just sounds so insane but Mm. obviously they use that for a really almost comedic and very almost saddening uh, aspect because you realize just just how almost lonely the lacy character is even Mm. though Truly, I think that estate agents probably see so many people that they know from the offset they aren't going to be able to afford this. So they'll try and wiggle them into this trap, if you like, to get them to be in the place. And then they'll have to suffer financially for it, whatever it may be. Again, I'm looking at this very cynically, but it seems that that's the kind of angle that they are going for with this. You know, that just how phony this estate agent is, you know, she, uh, as soon as she says, uh, what is it? Oh, do I, do I qualify for it? And she just goes, no. Like, you know, that is so <laughs> blunt and the smile has gone, you know, yeah, but yeah. there is a catch to it. You can do this, that and the other. We can offer this, that, you know, it, it's so brilliantly handled. And I'm sure he's probably writing from experiences as well uh, yeah. in that. I d- actually, I'm, I'm not even sure he, when I looked in the credits, the teleplay was his name wasn't in there, but I, I don't know if if he had the story for it or something. I'm not sure. I think from my understanding, I don't think he actually writes. I mean, I haven't checked the other episode. I don't think he writes them. I think it's like, um, I mean, they do this with uh, things like, you know, even things like EastEnders, you know, they, they get someone to tell you what the story is, you know, start, beginning, end, and then they get the sort of hack writers, yeah. if you like, to write the dialogue. So presumably the same. So it's, he probably does the stories for all of them, yeah. The point I was going to make about this is that, again, it's not that different from real life. I mean, if you go to mm. a state agent, you could really broaden this out and you could say that we are all acting, you know, as soon as, I mean, you work from home even, but uh, let's say that you, you're going out to an office or something, you know, as soon as you leave your house and you go out in the big bad world, you know, we're all acting. We probably just don't realize a lot of the time. And with my job as an English teacher, what I kind of bring to the table is as I, I do be myself. And I think my, my students... I mean, they're mostly adults. I don't teach kids. So that they pick up on that. So I'm lucky in that sense that I can more or less be myself. And I do it sort of willfully as well. But, you know, we still have to act. You know, it's, it's, mm. it is all a game out there, isn't it, really? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we get to the social media advisor. Now, in your video, you compared this to a therapy session. So I totally agree <laughs> with you. But can you flesh that out a little bit for us? Yeah. Not that I know much about therapy, really, but it seems that this whole social engineering aspect to this society Mm. is something that they have to monitor and keep updated with. Otherwise, yeah, you'll just slip through the cracks and you'll eventually become the truck driver in the worst case scenario, I suppose. Mm. So I'm assuming if you are in therapy, you are going to in some way, shape or form, make yourself a bit more sociable because I'm assuming 
assuming that, you know, if you are going to therapy, there is something that's not, it's difficult to really nail why I put that there. Maybe I had some bright idea about it back in 2017, but I think that it's probably just to do with the kind of social end of things, like tr- just trying to make yourself a better person or, or mm. keep yourself almost falsely happy about the situation that, that these characters find themselves in. I don't know. Oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's just kind of the, the one-on-one situation. Yeah, I'd say it's somewhere between a doctor, a GP and a, and a therapist, yeah. you know. But again, not totally unlike reality, because with my John Lennon podcast, I have considered going to Fiverr.com and offering to pay someone to try and raise my profile. But the problem for me is that I don't really like having my face out there. I love audio. You know, I've been a radio guy. I mean, obviously, I liked TV as well when I was a kid, but I've always been fascinated by the radio and I love the Mm. audio thing. And um, I like the idea of... uh, hearing somebody's voice and then not finding out what they look like. I, I, I don't know why. I always, always quite like that. So with a That's lot of pod- interesting because yeah. I've definitely had this idea to not show my face before, mm. but at some point I had the courage to do so. And mm. it's not been something that I do very frequently because I have to then consider the visual component. I spend enough time getting this audio set up absolutely crisp and perfect to then have to do lighting, makeup, all that stuff to make myself look again a very nosedive to make yourself look really good. And mm. I'm not interested in that because then it looks even more phony as a result. And I've definitely found that with any time I've tried to watch, I don't know, say a vlogger on YouTube, it feels so false and mm. strange. But at the same time, I think that there are definitely circumstances where I find myself filming myself and thinking this is exactly what needs to happen. I I don't know, for example, w- when they changed up the audio of a certain Doctor Who theme in one of my videos, I just decided to uh, get in my dressing gown and just do this massively weird dance to it. I I have no idea why, other than I really appreciated the quality of that bit of music that they had. So it works sometimes, but I suppose in podcasts, it's a bit different. I'm just thinking, because I I used to watch a lot of Joe Rogan um, and it's all visual on his end, but there's nothing stopping you from just listening to it. And I know that he's kind of changed his format now and then, but at the same time, because he's doing something like comedy, not all of his podcasts are about comedy, of course, but Mm. having their facial expressions, there definitely helps. But again, I guess it depends on what you're discussing. Because if you're talking about a movie or something like that, then what's the point in having the visual side of it? Because it just doesn't seem to quite make sense. But anyway, where were we? Uh, well, I was just going to say that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most people. I mean, again, this this is a psychology thing. Most people are visual learners. You know, the majority of people. So, yeah, if you don't want to show your face, then, like you said, you need some kind of. You're obviously working on having images with nosedive. You had obviously scenes from it. So I think you need a visual element there, I suppose, mm. to attract more people. But trying to be as natural as possible within it—that's the thing, mm, for sure. So yeah, this this social media advisor starts talking about sphere of influence, and uh, then we get this phrase "quality people," which I thought was quite funny. Four point eight, and then soon after that, of course, Lacey she spills a drink on a four point eight, and of course, oh, the four point yeah. eight immediately gets the phone out. Eh, yeah, you're going down. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, uh, I do wonder if the higher rated people have more of a kind of sphere of influence on the ratings that they give. So, for example, if a four point eight gives a a lower person or just your average person, a, maybe their one star is more effective at dragging down other people's ratings than perhaps someone of a lower stature. I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that, but that, that's what I intuited. Yeah, because presumably Lacey, when she's going to the wedding. All these quality people are going to give her five star. So that yeah. has statistically there has more cachet than a than yeah. the truck driver giving her five stars. I think you're mm. right about that. Yeah. And then I just wanted to talk about there's a few scenes where you get a kind of backlash against this, which are kind of I found quite heartwarming, frankly. Uh, so we see Lacey in a lift and she offers a croissant to her co-worker, and the co-worker totally sees through it and gives her three stars. The cab driver, who's got that brilliant look on his face while yeah. he's watching this just cringe yeah, yeah. phone call, the cab driver gives her one star. Yeah. That was funny. Definitely kudos to all the extras performers in this. They are just so good. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say, you know, TV shows and films, that a lot of the strength is in the, in the bit parts, so to speak. Yes. You know? And then um, let's talk about her brother. What, what do you think of those scenes? So is that brother like, is he doing virtual reality or something? I'm assuming so, because yeah. they were talking about how he gets points from his friends so the people that he plays with in the virtual reality in a kind of an online gaming scenario if you like and interestingly obviously i think that also plays into the little bit we were talking about whether the people who have higher ratings are going to be more effective at giving people higher ratings and stuff because obviously all the people that he's going to be playing with are going to be like 3.8s like him as well like that really brilliant line from Howard. Uh, do you mind if I swear? Yeah, I go for it. Yeah, yeah she, she just says like, why would I want to stay around with you? Three point fuck. Like yeah, that just, it, yeah. oh, it nailed everything. Because, you know, all of his friends are going to have that exact same rating, you know. And I think that they are probably in some way, shape or form getting all the down ratings from members of family who just want them to go and get a life, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. I, I He's played by the, have you seen Happy Valley? No, I haven't. No, no. It is a really great cop show. I say a cop show. It's a British police show about a very nasty man who is kind of in the family of a, a very high up police officer. And he plays the bad guy, basically. And he is a, a real piece of work. So it's like, and he's a British actor as well, you know, very good American yeah, um, accent on him as good. well. You know, and he is just so home ridden, if you like, uh, because of this. What? Why would you ever go out if you can just go out in virtual reality? You know, it's it's a, a tiny little aspect that I'm sure is probably playing a huge role in in the background of this society where people mm. aren't going to engage in all of this stupid rating systems and just stay indoors because then you know you're never going to get downrated if you're just at home. You yeah. know, apart from maybe by your mum to to make breakfast or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're sharing an apartment, aren't they? And again, mm. uh, I'm reminding you of all the great things in your video because you haven't watched ah. it. So you should, lapping, you should be lapping it all up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, you, point, you pointed out that uh, essentially the colours are blue and pink. It's very well designed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> which is which is like what you learn from uh, being a kid. You know, blue is for boys and pink is for girls. So it, obviously it's very deliberately done. And he's yeah. quite scruffy and she's mm. trying not to be scruffy. She's trying to be, yeah. you know, pitch perfect all the time. So that was good. And he's obviously, you know, even though he's involved in this virtual reality, he represents uh, some kind of normality. And the, the line I love mm. is, I miss the normal you. Yeah. I, found quite, I found quite touching. And then mm. just after she says the three point fuck, of course, because she can't, I think she's going and then she comes, she forgets something and she comes back. It's the little rag, the little uh, doll ah, that she carries around. With her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rags, of course. 
And then I think she rates him down. And of course, bad move because then he rates her down. Yeah. You know? It's the beginning of the end, isn't it? The start of the spiral, I suppose. Yeah, this is where the nosedive starts. I just want to mention one thing uh, rather than talk about it later. She ends up hitching with this, um, like a reality show convention or something. Oh, yeah. And the thing I remembered from that is that one of them complains that their father gave him a one star rating. And my question oh, to you yeah. could we ever get to this point where members of our family are rating us? Surely not. I suppose it depends on the parent. Because I'm I'm imagining there was some kind of twist around this character. So th- this is the one who's in the toilet cubicle um, and has the sort of dingly things on her head. She, um, when she asks Lacey what her favorite character is, she says, oh, it's the character that you're playing, but kind of straightforward way. And she says, he doesn't have a gender or something like that. And I think that, you know, you're going to have these sort of unfortunately hardline conservative parents who just think that all of this transgender LGBT stuff Mm -hmm. is going to insult them to no end and they'll just use their power to downvote them in a in a unfortunately nasty way but at the same time i think that that's an inevitability because you know in every single situation a child and a parent or parents find themselves in the child is going to have far more altered attitudes because they don't want to be like their parents i didn't want to be like my parents and i'm mm. sure that most people probably didn't want to be like their parents they just see them as old fogey people and like i mm-hmm. say you know you're going to have some ultra conservative parents who are going to think oh they are the spawn of the devil because they're dressing up like this and they're they're gay or whatever you know it's, it's you know the the, the sheeple mm. there we go <laughs> <laughs> one thing i wanted to bring up are you aware of the boiling frog analogy that rings a bell, but I don't think I know it, no. It's very, very interesting, and it's very important for if people's never heard of this. It's the idea that if you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. But if you put a frog in cold water and very, 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 very slightly raise the temperature, it will boil without realising it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is that that's what is happening. Like I said, would we ever get to this point where we get this world? I mean, obviously, they, they've got it in China to some extent. Mm. I haven't really researched that a lot. I think I was too scared to, frankly. (laughs) But this boiling frog thing is very important because if, for example, let's say, if you saw, for example, a screenshot of a web page from, let's say, 10 years ago, I think you would be shocked to see the difference. Oh, yeah. This boiling frog thing is really the key to societal changes, in my opinion, because people get sucked in. It's it's like if you look at a picture of somebody uh, 10 years ago, someone you know really well, your mother or your father. Yeah. You'd be shocked to see how different they look, but because you've seen them regularly. Mm. So I think this boiling frog thing is is massively important. I suppose I have a bit of a conspiratorial mind. I do have some evidence for a lot of it as well. Uh, It's not just just making theories up, but um, I think that there are reasonably dark forces who, who are trying to it could be just capitalism it could be just for commercial gain it could be for power but i think there are quote unquote dark forces that are trying to lead society in a certain way and we all think that we would never get to that you know we're not going to be mm. as stupid as having social ratings that's only for china and north korea but you know it could well creep up on us so well um, if, we, if we're going by that kind of logic shall we say i mean mm. china's the king of production at the moment and if we think that we can just ignore that country because oh it's, it's the same thing as you know with um uh, Lacey ignoring her three-point friend at the same time they are fundamentally important 
to our wonderfully lavish way of life here in the West, you know, and mm. there's no getting around that. So to kind of ignore their own leaps and bounds in the ratings thing is so kind of on the nose that I, yeah. you know, it, it could happen, but it's, it's everything else surrounding it from like a social media point of view that really it's headache inducing and almost frightening that this episode came out like nearly five years ago. I can't believe this. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's just amazing. But uh, we're going to try and find a conclusion yeah. to all this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. How we could perhaps, uh, I don't know, contribute to stopping this happening. But uh, mm. I mean, on the subject of China, I mean, I, I know Westerners who are learning Chinese because they're yeah. convinced that 10, 20, 30 years from now, China's going to take over. And China, this is a tangent for another day, but China does have America in a kind of economic stranglehold to some yeah, extent. Yeah, exactly. You know, holding a lot of debt, for example. Anyways. Mm. Let's get to, again, if this was a film, the airport scene, I think, I mean, there's so many classic scenes. It's just amazing. So Lacey goes to the airport. She gets, uh, we talked about the cab driver earlier, get these, just these horrendous phone calls with uh, Nene, you know, Naomi. Mm. Yeah, just total fakery. Oh, there was actually one thing I wanted to mention that I think was absolute genius. Did you notice on one of the phone calls, just as the phone calls ending, you see Naomi's face change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They you actually see very, what she really thinks. Very intentionally do that. It's kind of weird because obviously they keep up the fakery so hard that it's almost exhausting to them exactly. that they suddenly just go, "Oh, thank God that's over." Like you know, yeah. that would be what they say to their partner after the phone call, Naomi especially. But yeah, very, very good. Um, so good, isn't it? Just the subtlety. Mm. Yeah. I think we've kind of flashed forward about a few weeks because I think the wedding was coming up in a month. Yes. So the idea anyway, that uh, Naomi, this, this friend, also the brother intimates that Naomi who's this uh, four point, whatever she is sort of stereotypical, like hot girl mm. as a uh, shagged uh, Lacey's boyfriend. I think we get Greg. that. Greg, yeah. We, we get the idea. So anyway, we're, we're sort of three weeks later, we're coming to the wedding. She goes to the airport, her flight's canceled. And there's a standby flight, but she needs to be 4.2. And uh, I wrote this down. She's uh, fortunately gone down to 4.183. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> uh, insane, isn't it? Mainly on the strength, perhaps, of the cab driver, thinking about mm. it. Well, there's a um, nice connection later on as well that, like, the woman truck driver had to give her, or their, their, the bed that could have saved her husband's life went to somebody that was only 0.1 higher. Yeah, so we, then uh, Lacey suddenly forgets who she is and or remembers who she is perhaps and uh she swears and uh you know the look on the check-in lady she face, is fantastic isn't she yeah brilliant. you know the way she talks she's like could you modify your language please madam <laughs> is that brilliant uh, uh, and then and then she'll suddenly go extremely stern like just uh, that's it right security come on over here like that's it yeah. Uh, brilliant yeah and how he's even like you know just not who you would expect like the the fake smile has even come into him like a security guard you know mm. and it's it's not even like he needs to use his brute force it's just the social like i'm going to make sure that you're going to get double damage for the next you know yeah. 24 hours behave yourself and that's it he does yeah. you know that's enough to frighten her into you know just trying to keep face but obviously that is again another part of the nosedive that you know it's just going to get worse and worse and worse for her yeah and then uh yeah the security guard as you said with a smile 
you know, this plastered, this fake smile plastered on his face. You, you're docked one point, and then double damage just sounds exactly like a, some sort of video game, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great phrase to come up with. Well, Brooker is very influenced by um, video games, as far as I understand it. Oh, is he? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And then, of course, a great touch, just as she's leaving the airport, the check-in lady, you hear the beep and, and the check-in lady, but you can't see my smile. Yeah, You yeah, can't see yeah, my yeah. wonderful fake smile. <laughs> listeners, but she rates her down. And, oh, absolute genius. And then, uh, so she decides to drive. It's a nine-hour drive. I can't remember at which point, but Naomi calls her and says, basically, I don't want your your wedding because you're down to 2.8 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in the middle of the, uh, when she's with the convention people, because she starts the phone. And then by the end, she's like, I've never watched your fucking show. And that's that's it. it. It It's really good. That's it. Yeah. So I guess that's after, yeah, that must be after the electric car. So she gets an electric car. It runs out of charge. Uh, The model... I guess because she couldn't get the good model because her rating has gone down. The charges they have are too modern or the model of the car is too old. Yeah. And the car itself interfaces in like an Eastern European language. I've no idea what it is. It's hilarious. So then she starts to hitchhike. And again, uh, genius moment that we re-referenced earlier you see like she's hitchhiking a couple drive up in a car they go should we pick her up no she's got two point whatever and then the next car just marks her down purely because she's got a low rating yeah yeah yeah. and um it's this idea i think the truck driver we'll get to that in two seconds but she says something like it's incredible how fast you can slip off the ladder and it's it's the equivalent of really seeing someone on the ground and then kicking them isn't it really yeah kicking them when they're down yeah. So then we see the truck driver again, an absolute classic scene. She's called Susan. She's a 1.4 middle-aged lady. I was surprised actually. I was thinking when I watched this last night, I was thinking they could have made more comments about ageism as well in society. That, yeah. That perhaps because this truck driver, I mean, she looks kind of middle-aged, maybe 40, but I was thinking they could have added some scenes where perhaps people in a subtle way get marked down just for being older. Well, I think that they did it in an even more subtle way, because if you look at the opening scenes, not a single elderly person is there. You know, it's all young people and they're all doing the the sort of same. But it's it's kind of like I don't even think you see any children either. That would have been something to really kind of wonder if they'd been handed these things. Oh, seeing like six year olds. But the right. uh, yeah, you you look at all of the people that are sort of sat in the cafe area, you know, they're probably no more than forty. You know, they're almost like I don't know what the word is, but you know, p- people that are just working. You know, they're, they're workers fundamentally. Most of them have probably got very affluent jobs in whatever way, mm. shape, or form. And it did make me wonder what exactly Lacey did, because as far as I was aware, it looked like she was just checking her social media the whole time. But the age thing was probably done in in a more subtle way just by the way the environment is shaped you know we don't hear from their parents or anything from Lacey and her brother's parents or anything like that so that there may even be like a level of ostracization of the the elders and all the rest of it because yeah even at the wedding you do see elderly people but you never really know what their ratings are they're kind of kept in the background they're they're just sort Mm. of there you know, if, if anything, the, the most you see of them is taking pictures. They, you don't see them doing any of the rating or anything like that. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if, um, if it's sort of implied that perhaps this rating system is sort of 16 to 60 or something like that, mm. you know, age wise. Yeah. yeah may, maybe older people are just so disregarded that nobody even bothers rating them. Or, you know, maybe they haven't got the heart to. I don't know. But in this mm. world, it seems like they probably would. Yeah, It'd yeah, be yeah. so propagandized after a while that that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So we get to Susan, this truck driver. 
I love the bit where um, she asks Lacey what she's doing. And Lacey goes, I'm going to a wedding. Do you want to hear my speech? No. <laughs> uh, there's actually a movement uh, I became aware of called Radical Honesty. Yeah. And it's a group of people. And well, I guess we've seen films. There was even a Jim Carrey, wasn't there? Liar, liar. It's the idea that, that you don't get very far. And, you know, if, if you told only the truth, you probably wouldn't have any friends within about two weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That idea. So, um, well, truth is, is an ugly and terrific beast, but it's still, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's exactly why people try to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> Absolutely. <yeah. laughs> Another great touch. Uh, did you get the touch of the blue and the red thermos, which is a sort of a matrix yeah. reference? Oh, do you know, I hadn't even thought about it being a matrix reference, actually, but it's still like, you know, for whatever reason, that that was something that really stuck with me, you know, that, that one's got coffee, one's got whiskey, and, exactly. you know, she gives it the red one as a gift you know just mm. you know somebody who is totally selfless to the point that you know they're willing to just give away all their whiskey to somebody mm. who they've just met on the street you know there's no kindness in this world everything is done for this gain and i suppose mm. like is that, that mirrors our own world in a weird way in the same way that you know unfortunately if you look at a homeless person and they've got a say a a mobile phone in their hands the immediate assumption is are they actually homeless no they might be they might just have actually acquired it and are getting up on their feet but we don't think about that we don't give them any money etc etc and you know that's the same thing as when Lacey's on the road and she just gets downvoted for basically just being there you know it's it's the same thing in my mind as that but yeah I mean there's definitely in our society there's what's the word so it's almost like an inbuilt disregard for people who look scruffy and people look poor yeah. i'll give you an example like she used to live in spain and um this is not to diss spanish people because i thought they were on the whole really nice but there was a there was a weird thing where um there was a traffic lights quite near my house mm. and um there would be immigrants obviously poor i would guess they're probably from south america because obviously they speak the same language so you get a lot, mm. lot of south americans live in spain and they would be there with uh, a sponge and a car what do you call it uh, windscreen like washer fluid or something got you yeah and what would happen is someone would drive up at the lights and without asking them just to earn you know for god's sake you know a euro they would start cleaning their windscreen and almost to a man you would see these people again you can't see me listeners waggling my finger just like no get away from my car i'm not going to give you a euro i mean they're cleaning their fucking windscreen excuse my french you know it's not as if they're even asking for a euro for nothing no you know, and it, uh, that used to really get on my tits, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. so much of propaganda is almost like unconscious or subconscious. So mm. there are things we do where if we actually analysed it, we'd say, God, I can't believe I do that. You know, if you see, um, sorry to go on a tangent, but if you if you go on a, on a metro and you see like a really like dirty, smelly person who's obviously a beggar, sit next to someone, there'll be a kind of look of disgust on their faces. And again, I'm not judging because I mm. think, you know, we're probably all guilty of this, but uh, it's interesting. It's that, that thing of like um, society, like I said, kicking people when they're down, you know, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. you know, obviously there, there's goodness in society. You know, I, I hope to God we never get to a full on nosedive society. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Susan, yeah, she explains that her husband, she says, oh, I see myself in you and I used to be desperate. And I think Susan says she used to be a 4.6 or 4.6. Something like that. Yeah, something significant. And, and you see like Lacey's her eyes for a second light up. It's like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And then Susan says, uh, my husband got pancreatic cancer. There was an experimental treatment. As you said, you know, they gave the bed to someone who was 0.1 higher than her. 
And then she talks about, yeah, my friends didn't like my my honesty because she says, oh, yeah. I suddenly said, oh, fuck it. You know, I'm going to be myself. So, uh, yeah, great scene. Anything mm. else about that scene? I think we could, well, because we've kind of covered it bit by bit as we've gone through it. I think we've mm. pretty much um, torn it a, a, a new hole. I think, we, yeah, we've, we've, <laughs> we've cleared that one. Yeah. All right, then we get this thing with the the sci-fi uh, convention. Uh, again, we've mm. talked about that already. So Lacey basically kind of hitches a ride and then gets kicked out when she admits she hasn't watched the show. Again, honesty. And then uh, kind of getting to the end, then we see Lacey, uh, the truck driver's giving her the red uh, thermos with the whiskey. Mm. We, yeah. Suddenly Lacey's like, she's drinking whiskey. There was something with quad bikes. and uh, That particular moment that? is really quite lovely to me because i think max richter's score for the whole episode is just so wonderful pure and just like it's like a piece of classical music that just plays like the same thing throughout the whole episode but it's always in a kind of altered way in a really slightly unique way as it goes on but if you really listen carefully when she's i might have mentioned this in the video but she mm. when she's out on the street like actually on the highway you can hear the sound effect of the down vote the do 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 and that becomes a part of the score as well and it's really lovely because again you kind of come to expect it to be exactly the same thing throughout the episode but it incorporates all these other kind of elements sonically that just make uh, every moment just or every scene really really great that has that kind of music in it mm. it's funny i hadn't noticed the music and often mm. that can be a, a good thing for the music you know unless it's something sure. really recognizable like you know star wars or jaws or something yeah like that. yeah o- often a score it kind of drifts in and out and it, it's a I didn't even think about the music actually, but obviously it had an effect because it's it's adding to the overall world, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. So by this this point, Lacey appears at the wedding again. Classic scene. By mm. now, yeah, she's dirty, she's scruffy. Again, yeah. in your video, you made the point about her makeup running, and it almost looks kind of like black tears or the weird. Yeah. Light. You can't yeah. kind of tell if it's like mud as well. It could. It is obviously the makeup, but obviously her being covered in all this black stuff as well it's all in her hair you know she looks like some kind of wicked witch by the end it's really something visually yeah i don't know if it's something about me but i I just started to admire her more and more the more the Mm. the worse she looked you know yeah and then we turn she turns up at this wedding and um I don't, I don't know what to say really but it's just i just love the way it's done and um mm. of course the, the interesting subtext is that we find out that the groom who's marrying naomi is almost certainly in love with his best man isn't it so yeah essentially yeah, yeah. he's gay he's pretending he's heterosexual to get this uh you know apparently uh like quality woman you know naomi mm. yeah um, that's interesting i hadn't picked up on that at all yeah, I'm taking. I shouldn't take credit for all of this because that blue and red matrix thing. I've got to come clean and say I read that somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, no, I did. Uh, I did watch one of your competitors did an analysis. Oh, truth be told, that, well, obviously when this video was made, there wasn't this huge. Like I was just filling in this void of people talking about Black Mirror uh, mm. that just wasn't there at the time. But then you know, as soon as the later series come out and that everyone sees how popular the show is, it's like right, I'm getting on that. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna do my own take on it, kind of thing. I know that the main one that I kind of always find for some reason recommended to me in the YouTube sidebar is like a sort of ending explained video where mm. somebody will take apart the ending of the Black Mirror video in about the same time as I take to take apart the whole episode. So mm. it must be something really that I've like missed in the kind of endings. Because I remember that was the one criticism I had with the nosedive analysis, which I 
truly and weirdly, I think is the best video I've ever made. But the one criticism I had for it was that I didn't talk about the ending enough. Right. And I, don't, I have no idea what the reasoning for that was, but clearly somebody who's doing endings explained can fill in where I've left off kind of thing. So I, I have no idea, but yeah, it's. Well, let me, let me give you an opportunity now then. Is there anything you want to say about the, we'll talk about the wedding first and then the yeah, very last sure. scene. So mm. go on, go for it. Is there anything um, else? But the w- wedding wise, I, I still love that it's the men that are getting up to sort this out as though, mm. you know, it's not like somebody has come in with an axe or a gun. The only threat is her honesty. And that's the thing that's kind of coming through to me in the in the story is how she's mm. talking. Obviously, it's not socially acceptable to perform this kind of thing in a wedding or even show up like this, but because it, she's been trodden on at every single opportunity and stabbed in the back by the bride herself. You know, if she went there without a hitch, she might not have even made it for whatever reason. Like she, mm. I, the way I'm seeing it is the more that she got pushed down, the more incentivized she was to get there. Like, you know, it's, it's, but wh- whether she even has another goal, to be honest, is, is debatable because it's not like mm. she has anything else in her life. But going back to like the, how they almost follow her around and she's just moving in almost circular fashion around this wedding scenario is really almost depicting the spiral that she found herself in up until that point. And she's going to keep riding that spiral until she's until she's done, until she's finished her speech and she's had her yeah. say. Because even the actual speech that she has herself, obviously when she's rehearsing it to her brother, it's like, is the tear too much? Am I doing this wrong? You know, and he is just like, you sociopath, you know. And yet <laughs> when you see her at the end, like it's not just like a fakery there, it's like an honest to God depiction of somebody who has just absolutely lost it and yeah. it's just really nice that that transformation ended up kind of coming through visually but also yeah how she's so determined to keep moving or even though she's at her final destination because she's been moving towards that point and then obviously then when she does get thrown to the ground the microphone is still in front of her mouth yeah, still, still going yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then <laughs> pulled through doors almost like to the afterlife in a weird way it's, yeah. it's really interesting I love that final scene there's some reference to lower rated people such as a truck driver as dangerous mm. in in the sense that i suppose i mean you're saying I don't that- bite. that's what she says yeah the truck yeah. driver she says i don't bite that's it yeah but honesty can be a weapon i mean you mm. can really if you really wanted to particularly i was talking about an office environment earlier I'm, in a way, I'm quite glad to uh, not be in an office because I think if someone was getting on my case, you know, maybe it's a sort of exhibitionist side I have. I would be tempted to call them out in front of everyone. So I'd have <laughs> yeah. to check myself there. But uh, talking about weapons, though, I mean, she does grab the knife, of course. And it's not really clear whether she's she was actually going to use it. But, you know, she's at the end of her tether and all she's got left is the honesty. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's terrified, you know, again, it, going back to this thing about the beggars on the train, you know, the, almost the, the weapon they have is that no one wants to go anywhere near them. Yeah. You know, they call them uh, in the Indian caste system, they're called untouchables. And we were saying earlier, you know, perhaps old people in, in those dive would be untouchables, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So finally we get to the last scene. So she has a contact lens removed so she can no longer rape people. She's in prison. We don't know how, Probably in the world of Black Mirror, probably a thousand years, I'd guess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a thousand yeah, years yeah. a second. And then we get this fantastic scene where her and a, and a fellow prisoner start insulting each other. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, lo- I love how the camera closes in on their mouths. It's, yeah. It's like, fuck you. But all yeah. done with a smile. That's the whole point. Mm. You know, they're finally liberated. Yeah. Like, obviously, when she 
when she's on the f- the video call to Naomi about oh uh, you're getting married and she just mm. screams like absolutely bizarre but, and that's I, I mean I kind of use that in the thumbnail of the video because it's, mm. it's it's it, that's probably if anything something that I would have made a reference to in the video had had the image of her screaming in the video call and her screaming and the final shot of the episode didn't make such a perfect contrast anyway i wouldn't mm. have you know i didn't feel the need to probably talk about it. that's probably why i didn't go on too much about the ending but it is still mm. a, a wonderful scene all the same because you know it's mm. just you know there's no context whatsoever to why the guy opposite her is in that case but again mm. he has the same problem of just being honest and, and you know he, he's able to say whatever he wants and now they are in a weird and morbid sense more free than they were out in reality absolutely and isn't there a scene where you see Lacey smiling uh, i can't remember what she's smiling at in the prison again it's like it's almost like the first time you actually see a genuine smile yes she's yeah spot- i think she's I just looking in the mirror i can't remember but i can't remember she spots something i can't remember what it is anyway mm. Yeah, and you get these great insults. I mean, you and I were talking about Kubrick off mic, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's on the level of Full Metal Jacket, you know. The, <laughs> the sergeant, oh, but, God, yeah. Uh, insults could be extremely entertaining and quite mm. liberating, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think we've done a fairly deep dive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not bad. Not bad. No, not at all. I've compared to the... How long was my video? Like 17 minutes? Yeah, we definitely have scooped out all the innards and yeah, laid them on yeah. the table. I mean, also, I've got to presume people have seen it before they watch a video or listen to a podcast like this. But uh, right, final thoughts. Let me ask you a question, actually. How, how do we, in our everyday life, how do we guard against society becoming like nosedive? Any thoughts? Um, so my own kind of tactic, like I've almost programmed myself, <laughs> programmed myself. <to> do. <laughs> so obviously being on YouTube as a professional creator mm. means that I had a time when all I did was check the videos and their performances and how many likes and how many comments reading everything, you know, and, and that was so consuming and all the notifications that were just constantly going on. I think the first thing that we could potentially do is stop the apps from hooking you in in the first place because if i've seen anything and i don't mean to disrespect any of my friends but i I know that them being my age and even the younger ones i could talk about my sister for example Mm. they are on it just too much and it's not a kind of you know they could be doing worse things but in a social context especially after watching this the thing that i think would be that i myself have tried to adopt and i think that other people should probably adopt is turn off the notifications for starters, because Mm. if they lure you in to begin with, then you are going to be on it. And the more people use it, the more they will be able to get, the companies will be able to get away with putting more addictive things in there to keep you on there once they've hooked you in there. So if YouTube gives me a notification, oh, you've got, you've got a new comment on your video, but obviously at this point now I'm getting probably a comment every hour every minute you know it's just insane how much activity goes on it if Mm. i had everything alerting me all the time i would never leave it i'd just be looking at it all the time if we are looking at this from the point of view of two people talking about social media in 2021 the natural progression does seem to head towards something of more judgmental nature like the one that we see in nosedive Mm. and the only way that i think that you can at least stop the tide is by getting as many people to just not be on social media as much as they can be. I know for one thing that 
unless I'm expecting an email, I won't check my emails. Probably I'll, I'll give myself an hour in the, in the evening if I need it, you know, and, and most yeah. of the time I don't. And that's the wonderful thing is when you take time out and not look at it, you realize, oh my God, I would have just been spending like, you know, hours and hours refreshing my email. And yet all I would get is, I don't know, some promotion from Cafe Nero or something like no yeah. one needs that. But yet it will, that your phone will act in exactly the same way as if you have an important email, even though the phone has no way of differentiating that whatsoever. So mm. everything that it alerts you to is, is high priority and you need to just turn the high priority down because otherwise you'll be on it all day. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, for my side, yeah, notifications is one thing. Again, all these companies, essentially, if you play the game too much, you're encouraging them. Mm. And um, again, I'm in my 40s, a little bit different for me because I've known a world without all this. You know, I knew a world without the internet. I knew the world yeah, before yeah. I had a mobile phone, for God's sake. <laughs> I knew the world when Tom Baker was Doctor Who, but it's another story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my fear, so I don't have kids, but I've got four nephews and a niece. And my fear is kids growing up in this world and not knowing anything different. And propaganda of all forms is a, a 24-hour, billion-dollar, billion-pound, billion-euro business. It yeah. is constant. And I think, unfortunately, technology is intertwined with propaganda, you know, yeah. as is capitalism, of course. What other things was I going to suggest? Yeah, you talked about programming yourself. I was going to say I train myself one of the things is to keep my attention span as well, because that's yep. another thing that creeps Absolutely. up. Yep. It creeps up on you. The fact that you find yourself not being able to concentrate and a, a good, um, I mean, I'm a big music fan. A big uh, example is iPods. You know, I make myself listen to a whole album rather yeah. than skipping, Same skipping, here. skipping you know, yeah. I know that like it's, it sounds kind of, again, don't mean to diss my friends in any way, shape or form, but I have been to people's places or outings, whatever, where they just can't listen to a song for more than a minute. They'll just skip mm. on to the next one. It's like, oh, have you seen this one? Oh, have you seen this one? Da, 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 da. It's like, mm. yeah, there's, there is a really weird kind of, yeah, the attention span. It's exactly, you know, that has definitely affected people to a, a, a startling degree. I was just thinking of something else that I could also recommend is um, read a book now. And read then. a book, yeah. And I know that sounds really like condescending and high and mighty and lofty, but the thing is, what most people are doing on their phones is reading. They're looking at what people have written, and you know there is also that obviously Instagram's a bit different, where you know there's a there's a picture, but there is also a bit of writing underneath it. You know that it's all text, it's all you know. For God's sake, just pick up a picture book if you really need to. But like, it's just like yeah. you know, it, it's such a a skill that if I could look at myself ten years ago, the one thing I would say to myself is read more. Because mm. by the time I got to uni, I could not. And, and this was the time when everyone started suddenly having an iPhone and everyone was like so busy doing that instead. My ability to pay attention and try and read anything was just, it was, it was really hard. But obviously, yeah. because I kind of with the, I think in a weird way with the success that I've had, that I've seen on YouTube, I've just try to get away from it all because it's like my occupation and you know but where people who have normal you know far more ordinary occupations like yourself mm. it seems almost enticing to go on your phone and just mm. because it's like oh i'm not i'm not doing what i don't like right now so that's and i'm not to say that people don't enjoy their jobs but you know when you spend most of your life working in a job that you may or may not like 
you know, you're going to come home and want to just be on your phone because you want to keep up with your friends, catch up. It's again, it's a social thing, which has also been exacerbated by the fact that we've all been stuck at home for the past year and a half, you know, and, you know, like you said, you, you fear that people are not going to know any other way. Mm. And, you know, the children that have been brought up in this weird scenario that I hope isn't prolonged for much longer, Mm. you know, if we are stuck back in a lockdown again, we are just going to go back to the phones and and have mm-hmm. calls and things to keep ourselves socialized. And then, yeah, we'll be back to square one again. But here's to hoping that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I sincerely hope, you know, anyone listening to this, I think we're offering some pretty decent suggestions here. And in terms of offending people and sounding condescending, I'm a bit like Susan, the truck driver. I'm just like, fuck it. You know, one of the great things about getting slightly older i know society thinks that like oh 30 you're finished you know but uh one of the great things is that you do start to uh to get i don't know less self-conscious let's say perhaps mm. so um i'm putting it out there you know if anyone thinks it's condescending sorry about that but uh you know i think we also we've contributed a pretty decent uh what we've we done nearly two hours well wow. <laughs> yeah 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 for sure I think um, we've really had a good dismantle there <laughs> all right Hey, listen, thank you very much. I may well be contacting you in the future if you want to tackle perhaps White Christmas would be because oh. we, we both say that's a favorite. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've really enjoyed talking to you, man. This has been this has been an, a thorough pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad we got <laughs> to do this. Excellent. Um, just stay on the line for a sec. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, just give us your channel again. And if you've got anything yeah. else online, uh, go for it. So um, if you if you want to check out my reviews or analyses of Doctor Who, Black Mirror, if that's your kind of thing, go to youtube.com slash Harry's Moving Media. Or if you want to, if it's even easier, just go to YouTube and type in, did it suck? And there you will have it. Every <laughs> single one of my uh, reviews will just pop up there. Love the YouTube algorithm in that way but yeah, yeah you can also uh catch me on twitter at hmm underscore tweets i actually had to change that recently but um I had <laughs> also a bit of a mental breakdown on twitter the other week never mind uh that's another story <laughs> for another time um yeah that's basically my two ends of things but yeah predominantly the youtube channel check that out all right lovely uh this will go out fairly soon because i actually haven't got a backlog uh, for months and months i've had a backlog of john lennon episodes and film episodes and this, oh, yeah. this podcast well we'll talk in a sec off mic anyway so it's, sure yeah no problem. Say officially thanks very much and good luck yep. with everything thank you you too man cheers